I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, and I just don't give a fuck, motherfucker. <laughs> That's a very obscure reference. And I'm directed to the fifth element where I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. Oh, baby, you want me? Well, you can get this podcast here free. Do. So yeah, that's true. You yeah. fuckers get it for free every week, <laughs> motherfuckers. Pay us some damn money. <laughs> that was a quiet, that was a quiet match up to the actual uh, source material, but you, 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 I think you guys got it. Hi Ben, how's your week been? What have you listened to this week? I listened to Joey Badass's new album, Two Thousand. Yeah. Now, look, man, didn't take as many risks as his previous record, All American Badass, which was uh, huge in scope and I thought was is a classic. It's very underrated. I'm pretty sure we've done a contemporary call on that album. Yeah. Um, yep. Because it's a great freaking album. Look, man, this yep. this feels much more relaxed and safe. Uh, Joey found himself in a bit of a weird position in the last two years for an artist who's always been adored by a very strong fan base. People started questioning his new material uh, and his tweets, and when he dropped the light in two, 2020, I think it came out, people genu- genuinely kind of threw him out the window and said that he'd lost his edge, and we were kind of preparing for the, I think, inevitable mid-career slump, uh, but I think 2006 to address that through the instrumentals that made him famous. Nothing on this record immediately sticks out as a competitor to, you know, Survival Tactics or Righteous Minds. I think we're still seeing a pretty tentative Joey Badass. We get song titles like Make Me Feel, Where I Belong, Brand New 9-11, Eulogy, Welcome Back, Want to Be Loved. I think things have changed a lot in the last decade, you know? A hot album gives you pretty much the time it takes for the next hot album to come out before people are saying, well, what have you done for me lately? And I think that pressure has forced Joey back into his shell a little bit. And don't get me wrong, uh, it's a brilliant shell. It's it's ornate, it's beautiful. And the album is a straight vibe. You know, it's definitely going to satiate Joey fans who have been demanding he return to the quality of his earlier work. If you're looking for something different or something to follow up his last record, this isn't it. Uh, But it's a a great album. It really is. Um, I don't think it's quite on the level of 1999, uh, but I do need to listen to it more. I think it's going to be one of those albums, kind of like The House is Burning, it's just going to sit with you, and it's going to sit with you for the rest of the year. You're going to be going back to it all the time whenever you want to just chill out and, and drive to some good music. So shout out Joey Badass for coming back with something solid. Uh, RZA, Bobby Digital, and The Pit of Snakes. Uh, I don't know, man. Didn't I didn't like that too much on here. I don't know what was going on. It was all over the place. Um, I just... Uh, Cowards into cowards into fight to win those, those two songs. It's two of the weirdest songs I've ever heard from a Wu member. I think the, the the thing with the Bobby Digital persona is it's meant to portray the more laid back and fun loving elements of Riz's persona. You know, mind states, and he said this in in many interviews. Mind states that he had as a teenager. There's not a lot of fun loving on his. It's quite jarring. It's quite beautiful at times. Celebrate life. I thought was a great track, but at times it's entirely random. Like pop rap numbers, like We Push. Uh, you know, I always said that RZA has a classic solo project in him, and I think we're getting further and further away from that. I'm just curious as to what's going on. I need to read some interviews around this project because it just kind of didn't hit for me. Uh, then we get into the trio of the best albums of the week, which all came from female rappers. So shout out 
to these female rappers. Rico Nasty, her new album, bro, she continues to push the boundaries of hip-hop, tracking into dance and disco territory on here, but somehow maintaining that venomous edge to her delivery. It comes after she's kind of been assaulted on multiple fronts. You know, during her Playboy Cardi tour slot, she was abused nightly by dweeby teenagers who probably spend more time on Pornhub than they do talking to real-life women. Uh, She also regularly explodes on Twitter with deep dives into her psychological state. And, you know, Twitter's a horrible place to be trying to find any kind of validation. It's just... A disgusting battle royale of the the lowest grade insults you could possibly hurl at people and i i feel kind of sorry for rico nasty because yeah I, I just hope she's okay man i really hope she's okay having us deal with that same brand of clowns that i do every day but this album i feel like is an expression of that angst you know it's it's more consistent performance vocally than nightmare vacation which was insane that that project was wild she she actually switched her vocal tone every 11 seconds on that album and her flow every 17 seconds i think on this project it's a little bit more consistent very high energy often that energy only ascends as the song progresses but what i did like about it was the first half of the project or the first five songs very aggressive I was thinking to myself, I was listening to it in the car, I'm like, how am I going to get through this? Listen, like, I was looking for, you know, maybe not that high energy for that, and I was like, I'm going to have to skip this, but as the album progresses, it does calm down a bit and, and get a lot more melodic and a lot more chill, and I think Rico's frustration with certain things in her life has created friction, and I think friction is a great way to describe this album, because even on the more chill tracks, uh, she, there's still that friction, there's still that tension within her vocal delivery and what she's talking about. And just like lyrically eviscerating, man, like just sounding fucking imperious on this. Uh, and I think with this record, it's either going to rub you the wrong way or it's going to rub you the exact right way, which sounds like a euphemism, but it's not. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's a good album. It's a really good project. Uh, Asian Doll, let's do a drill. I didn't expect this to be fucking fire, but it is. Uh, it's just the only thing I didn't like about this project was the features. I thought they were terrible, genuinely bad. Um, I think there was a couple on there that was semi-decent, but I just really wanted Asian Doll to just skate over the top of these drill instrumentals. I think she's an incredible rapper, and you know the lyrical content and the flow and the delivery. This is all top tier. Is there's nothing. There's nothing mid-tier about this at all. It's a fire fucking album front to back. But yeah, the features, man. I don't know what was going on with the features. And finally, Flo Millie. You still hear Ho. Flo Millie shit. Bro, great fucking album. Total bop. The instrumentals are really solid. Flo Millie was like, you know, literally flowing incredibly on this. It's just the lyrical content was great. Uh, the, the stories that she was telling and the kind of positions of power that she was delivering them from. Yeah, man, it was it was it was motivating. It was empowering, and it was interesting too. It wasn't just me sitting there just nodding my head and being like, "Yeah, man, fuck the haters, fuck everyone." I was interested in what she had to say in every single song. Every single song title was evocative, and I wanted to see where she was going to go with it. It wasn't just rinse and repeat. It wasn't microwave music. It wasn't just like typical lyrical standards that she was falling back upon. Uh, she was delivering a lot of unique content on this record, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. I actually think I'll go back to it uh, regularly. I, I didn't expect that from Flo Millie. You know, I've enjoyed some of her stuff in the past, but more in a let's just you know shake out bad energy kind of vibe. Like let's just put this on during some cardio and smash out. But I really enjoyed this project. I think she's leveling up really quickly. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself?
Yes, I've got a few. Um, caught up with uh, Shea Universe uh, with the Unorthodox. Uh, tw- seven tracks, 20 minutes, some consider that an EP. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, uh, if you like the, um, you know, forever uh, road, uh, always travelled of uh, drill beats um, and R&B elements, um, then go for it. Because um, <laughs> that's exactly what you get here. I say that facetiously. That never happens. Um, but yeah, literally, she just R and B's over drill beats is kind of interesting to listen to. Um, it's not the entirety of the project, but this majority of the project, um, especially from the obviously production side. Um, but yeah, you know, you've got features from any Koji Radical to name a couple. Um, it's just some really good stuff all around. I, uh, you, I guarantee you probably haven't spun something of that nature. Um, it's a real clash of uh, two worlds there. Um, so shout out to Jay Universe. Uh, Rosa presents Bobby Digital Pierce Snakes. Um, I didn't mind it. Um, I feel it has this, you know, cinematic element, and I was trying hard to kind of see where it was going, and I kind of got lost after after we push. I just, I, I kind of just got lost and just went ahead and just listened to it instead, um, and just blank listened to it. Um, only thing I have towards it. <clears throat> negatively is that um that there are not enough uh credits here uh for what there are i feel like there's i feel like there's just people there's stuff missing here there's people that have con- contributed here um to the overall sonics and uh i feel like uh they haven't been mentioned here so i'd like that preferable uh flamily shit uh you still here ho why don't you say that ben why don't you say you still here ho <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, shout out to Tiffany Pollard coming through the uh, first uh, the intro and outro. If you know Tiffany Pollard, you know the vibes. Um, but yeah, man, um, it's a kind of I'm kind of getting into Flo Millie in the same way I got into Megan The Stallion when she dropped Fever. Oh, I, I remember like that. Just have this. You said that you, you know, felt like that? a bad oh, bitch. Oh, <laughs> oh, I felt like the baddest of bitches, man. It was crazy, bro. And even listening to what's beef, I, remember, I, I I haven't listened to it much, but every time I every time I get reminded of it, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's a banger actually. Look here, it's fire. Um, you know, man, it take air, but I'm sure nobody can tell. It's great. Uh, she has a just a really good um, flow, as you said. Funny flow, mini gear. Um, but yeah, I've you know shit like conceited, which is probably the you know most popular track um, from a single. Um, you know, just that kind of shit where she's just flexing stepping on necks all that kind of shit that is when she's in her bag um but there is some good variety here um past that obviously rico nazi feature aforementioned um and uh you know a couple of bonus tracks just to fill it out why not um but yeah the actual past the bonus tracks i like the i like the entirety of the you know shit like big stepper Mm. tilted halo's interesting that's just some really good shit um she she kind of gives me elements of like like a child of Missy Elliott, but uh, but modern. You know what I mean? There's it, it, it's a little bit there, um, but she has her own flavor as well, and similar to Megan and and the others on that on that uh, on that uh, side of things as well. So yeah, shout to me. She's she's really carving out something for herself. So respect to that. And uh, lastly, Joe Ballas is two thousand. Um, I feel. I mean, yeah, it's safe. I mean, it's and that's not. I don't want to say like I'm disappointed by that because I didn't mind the project. Um, I I <laughs> I just can't morally um, vibe with you having Diddy uh, back at a uh, book bookending this project. I just 
I, I saw a tweet yesterday, um, actually, saying, like, how, how is Diddy so respected in the industry when he's fucked over so many people? Because he's rich. And he just, and that's, that's all I think. That's all I think about it. When I, whenever I see him on a track, I'm just like, oh, gosh, okay, right. It's another person that respects Diddy for no fucking reason apart from he has money. Um, yeah, can't stop, won't stop. Fucking all right. Can't stop, like, won't stop. Bad boy, baby. Can't stop, won't stop. But, yeah, I feel like Joey was... I mean, I think lyrically, I think he was fine. Like we said, not exactly pushing the boat out, but you know, for shit like Survivor's Guilt, which kind of gave me, you know, Sing About Me vibes, um, especially with the production, literally had very similar elements mm. there, um, especially with the, um, you know, stuff like that. I don't know, I don't know why I'd say that is, but yeah, that, um, you know, decent features, Larry June, um, Jid, Jardy, however you say it. Um, and then immediate skips on, you know, uh, the last half, last third of a brand new 9-11 for, you know, reasons Ben will clock uh, if he sees I thought that was <laughs> one of his best verses, but anyway. Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Yeah, real, 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 uh, real lyrical miracle. Um, and uh, why why is Chris Brown in, 20, in 2022? Why have you got Chris Brown on your record? Everyone I, does. I just don't get it. That, that, that track is an immediate skip for me. I just can't. I just... I just just start to finish i was just not into that track at all i feel like honestly the only element i feel like could have been better is actually the production as a whole i feel like even though it was obviously in the realm of 1999 and in the realm of you know that old school flavor um i remember cj fly obviously you know another pro artist you know he did this kind of thing with rude boy rude boy rude boy and um i feel like he did better with that um, for stuff like Block Party, for example, I've had that on a regular rotation for years now. Absolute banger. And I feel like that is what I'm looking for. Um, and I feel like I didn't get that with Joey. Um, just the visualizing, I guess. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get that. Um, this kind of gave me like Nas King disease, but just a little bit watered down, I feel, um, in some in some ways. Especially the production for me. I feel like the production just could have been better. I feel like it was very wallpapery. Um, and I can't really point out, oh, that beat knocked, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. I never got any of that. Um, so yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on it, um, for reasons I feel like people have, I think people think, uh, I mean, I, I, I was in a, uh, I've gotten a inundated with messages on a group chat today saying like, uh, oh, uh, oh, Joey's lyrics were a bit weak. I'm so I, I didn't mind them, mm, right? They weren't, fine. they weren't, weren't world beaten but they were fine i didn't mind them they were calm they got the message across but i just felt like the production didn't really lend to um lend too much to that and you know make it a visual you know uh, just add more add more dimensions i guess that's, that's kind of i feel like it was lacking there um but you know it's fine it's a cool project i'll definitely give it a spin um later down the line for the end of year list and see where i'm at but, um you know as a first listen it's fine. It's cool. It was good for the background. Um, two, um, <laughs> uh, two and a third, one and a third definite skips for me. But um, yeah, that is what it is. And with that said, we shall hop on to our retrospective on the band of the 2000s. That was N.E.R.D. No one ever really dies. Pharrell, Chad Hugo and Shay Haley. Um, the trio of uh, just outstanding... Uh, mixtures of uh, rock, hip hop, and other things, uh, depending on what you're listening, depending on what particular track or album you're listening to. Um, but yeah, you know, we did the Neptunes last week. Um, relatively enjoyed that, um, especially on the production side, just guessing over their production. 
And um, any of these are interesting, just relic for me personally of just like of remembering uh, remnants of in search of, and then it's and then when I was listening to it, all come all came flooding back and shit like that. Um, and obviously coming back to um, the do you, do you count that? Do you, <laughs> do, you, do you count that one? If really dies as a self-titled album. Mm, no. Going back to your going back to your uh, tweet about self-titled albums. I tell you, you what, guys, if you're out there curious about what a self-titled album means, it means that the album is self-titled. So if the album is called <laughs> NERD, then it is a self-titled album. If it is called anything else, even with the dots removed in the middle, it is not a self-titled album. Sorry, I, I get you know I get on my soapbox about that. I baited you into it. Um, I filled the hole and you jumped into the pool. Um, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get into NERD. Um, ben, what do you have for us? On yeah, so it's important to jump back in time a little bit to understand where NERD began because this project is, as Charlie said, a trio. It's not a duo. Uh, with school friend Shay Haley coming on board for the NERD project. You also might remember our Teddy Riley quote from last week where he spoke on signing Pharrell, Chad, and Mike Etheridge to his label. So back in high school, Pharrell had been dabbling in a couple of groups. He was in Surrounded by Idiots with Magoo and Timberland, and before that he was in the Dead Poets Society. Now one of Pharrell's all-time favorite hip-hop groups slash collectives was the Native Tongues, him and alongside pretty much everyone else. Uh, Tribe Called Quest was also hugely influential on his sound and vibe. And when Stereo Gum retrospectively looked at NERD's debut album In Search Of, they referenced the Native Tongues heavily, saying that the first iteration of the Neptunes, the very earliest, which also included Shay Haley and Mike Etheridge, was a Native Tongues R&B type group. And that quote actually comes from a Chad Hugo interview with Yolk that he did, I think, in the early 2000s. So... You know, this is the group that they entered that talent show as when Teddy Riley discovered them and put them on the path to superstardom. But this collective remained on ice for almost all of the 90s because whilst Pharrell and Chad Hugo exploded into superstardom, Shay Haley and Mike Etheridge did not come along for the ride. And Shay spoke about it on the Others podcast, saying that he always sought to remain shielded from the limelight and the stardom. And he said ever since they were kids, Pharrell had yearned to become what he is today, and thus he manifested that. But Shay said he was much more of a recluse and lacked the assertiveness needed to push him into those rooms and those stages that the Neptunes were on. And to be fair, whilst we look at the 90s as the glow-up of the Neptunes, they didn't really pop off till 1998. And NERD formed, I mean, they were already formed, but NERD really had their first credit in 1999. So as soon as the Neptunes got on, Shay Haley was jumped back into the fold. Uh, Mike Etheridge just dropped off entirely. Now, we know that Pharrell and Chad were keen to bring rock energy to hip-hop. Uh, Chad Hugo obviously spoke of using a clavichord to create Super Thug because he couldn't play guitar well enough to give it the energy it needed. But it's a massive leap to go from Super Thug to In Search Of. You know, this is a huge difference there. Now, Shea Haley is the missing link in that in that leap. In, a, in that interview with The Others podcast, he actually rattled off a list of influences when speaking of the energy and the sound that he personally brought to the group that the other two may not have. And he said the Beatles, the Stones, and Nirvana were key parts of his musical education. So part of this extra edge is how NEID picked up their first ever credit, which was actually on Ghetto Children by Khalees off her 1999 album Kaleidoscope. It's a pretty inauspicious start for the group. Shea, Shea Haley spoke to Fader about the opportunity. He said this, I quote him, 
Khalees and Pharrell came up with the idea to feature NERD and once I heard it, it was unanimous. The premise behind Ghetto Children was to share positivity and aspiration. Khalees rented a house in Sandbridge, Virginia and recorded the entire Kaleidoscope album there. Back then, the creative process was either shifting, sifting through tapes full of loops or Chad and Pharrell banging away on the key searching for a unique sound or idea. It was inauspicious only because it didn't really feature the typical NERD oddity of sound that they'd changed the game with, but it immediately introduced something that defined their first two albums, which is the idea of a concept in a song. Now, with this episode, I, I do want to talk about some of the quotes and the story behind these albums, but mostly I just want to discuss the music because we already did N- uh, Neptune's last week. We really don't need to go back into that. Um, so I just want to jump straight into their first album in search of and uh, just hear what Charlie yep. has to say about it. Yep. It's as if he has, as if, as if Ben has something afterwards. Um, yeah, so this <laughs> is just one of those rare moments for me where I listen to something that I haven't listened to in a long ass mm. time. Um, and like I said, everything just came flushing back. Just constantly remember, especially the top half of the album. Like the top half of In Search Of is just absolutely just just constant bangers. Just constantly slapping you in the face with heaters. Lab dance, brain, provider, truth or dare. And then you got the back end. Uh Am I High? Rockstar. Like fuck me, bro. It it just kept going. And I was just, I, I, I was like, I was thinking, uh, I, I had an, I had an appointment, and I, and I, I was gonna, I felt like walking to it, um, because I woke up early, so I was like, let me just walk. It was about an hour walk, right? Um, actually, I, I was gonna get a bus for it, but then I left, and it was, I was, I left like half an hour early, so I had like an hour and a half on my hands. So I was just like, all right, fuck it, let me just spin this real quick. So I was walking, listening to it, and I was just like, damn. It's just so. When listening to In Search of again, it gives me this. Um, it has this. The storytelling, I guess, in in some of the tracks, just really come out um, for 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 me personally, uh, and they all come in little bits as well. Like uh, I think it was like Brain uh, and then uh, Provider. Like it's just like a mix in there. Where it just sequences just right, and uh, yeah, he's snoring at the end of it, and then this provider woke up uh, with the same clothes on I had oh last night. It's just heat, right? Survivor could be like a little a fucking fucking short film. It just is so heat. Um, but yeah, I just and even the tracks I don't remember as much. You know, stuff like Truth or Dare, uh, Am I High. Uh, I think only thing I didn't rate after listening to this again was probably just tape you. I don't mm. know, but I'm just not my steez. <laughs> they got into the, they got into it, didn't they? It was just it was just really indulgent. I was just like, it's just only five minutes of just Pharrell like going, I want to tape you. Let me tape you. It's just it's like, all right, bro, like chill. Yeah, it's really <laughs> energy, it. intense energy, isn't it? Like, it's okay, so cool. yeah, it's just really uh, taper. Then, it's like, all right, bro, make sure you I'll get consent down, and like. go for it. 
Stop telling us it's about like it. Cold <laughs> Oh, no, bro. It's cold. Like, chill out, bro. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, even the features, bro, like, you know, Khalees and Pusha T on Truthful Dare. Mm, just mm, nice. Malice on Am I High. Just absolute clean, clean up uh, job right there. I want to get the lyrics off for that one, actually. I think you did pretty well on that. Um, but, for, for, so, but just having Rockstar listen to that again. It's been a minute since I've listened to it. And... I don't know about, well, obviously, um, out of the two of us, Ben's the rock aficionado here, right? And I didn't listen to much rock as a youth, um, you know, apart from what was whatever was on certain video games, um, whatever was, uh, I don't know, on some TV shows or whatever, some films, you know, I, I, get, I get the basics of uh, some things, right? But listening to <laughs> listening to Rockstar is just such a fucking headbanger to me, and I just love the. Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of timeless in some ways. Listening back to it, I was like, this could drop now and it will slap, because it just gives this you know it's it's kind of like a anarchy album, uh, anarchy anthem, you know, riding on the top of a cop car like just. And it's like you're setting fire to shit. That's kind of the imagery I had. Just like when the when they have those uh, riffs, uh, kind of like mid midway through the midway through the uh, midway through the songs, like like I just feel like someone's lighting something up, basically. Um, but yeah, man, it was just this is so much. Uh, if I if you if you were list if you if I like. Uh, if I've recorded my immediate thoughts as I was um, as I was like uh, listening to this if you just read my brain waves as I was listening to this there'll be just so much more um, but yeah it's, it's great um, I will say that um, they come that, so I guess I guess all the songs come across uh, very matter of fact like they just don't I mean like we said uh, like we agreed with tape use just supremely obvious when you're listening to it it's just like what they're talking about they don't really leave much to uh the imagination um and they come through in the lyrics as well like lap dance literally i'll give you a, here's a lap dance like it's literally so simple um i will say the the um as a finisher the uh brain just it's still it, it didn't it didn't vibe with me pre as a you and it still doesn't vibe with me now just the way they say brains oh, oh, makes me cringe a bit I don't, I don't know why just brains <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it <laughs> yeah man the album is wild like I think one of the wildest transitions in hip hop history has to be the switch from the original UK electronic version of this album to the rock album so the story goes that the album did drop but chad wasn't happy with it and he stated that the record needed to set itself further apart from what the neptunes were dropping and it was recording sessions with gwen stefani's band no doubt that actually inspired them to give the record more rock energy so pharrell and chad hugo knew of a band named spy mob which we spoke about last week now they knew them through music attorneys Tim Manderbaum and Alan Mintz, who were also they were Spy Mob's attorneys and the Neptune's attorneys. So when this desire to diversify the NERD sound shone through, they found this band's six-song EP, 
and that was recorded a few years earlier. Luckily, SpyMob had just extricated themselves from a pretty rough label, label deal themselves, and bringing them onto Star Trek was quite simple. So SpyMob were actually enlisted to help play a live version of this album. Now remember, this was before Chad could really play the guitar, and he actually resolved himself to learn it after this record dropped, because he wanted to play all the instruments himself on future drops and when they played live. And so what we get, is not the album that originally dropped, but a significantly more hardcore record, laced with guitar noise and funk, much more direct and certainly more distinct. And Chad actually said this in Pharrell's 20, I didn't know Pharrell had a coffee table book, but apparently he has a coffee table book that came out in 2012. That's a very Pharrell thing to have. Uh, he says, Pharrell and I were in a marching band, so it wasn't anything to make to make it and do the unplugged version, it was just fun. And we were trying to embrace technology at the same time by doing the synthetic version. So the wild thing about this album, I think is Pharrell because you know now we know him to be one of the most distinct and valuable vocalists in hip hop music and pop music. But back in 2001, he only had a handful of vocal credits to his name. He's hardly a powerful vocalist. You know, his falsetto is pretty unobtrusive and it's really easily digestible. But I don't think anyone could have predicted how fucking hard the Neptunes could be behind the boards when necessary. Like, lap dance with that super stretchy synth and Rockstar with the effects on Pharrell's vocals matched to an insane level of energy on the beat. No one was going to call Pharrell's vocals weak or inadequate on this record. And, and I think that's the triumph. That was the... That was the one hurdle they had to overcome on this record was that Pharrell is not the strongest vocalist, but yeah, they fucking overcame that man and they overcame it with confidence as well as studio trickery. But you know, the the sound that this record has in the movement, because look, and, and Charlie said he hasn't listened to a lot of rock, um, no one's gonna sit there and tell you that the instrumentals are anything groundbreaking. They're very, very basic. I mean, the next wave of British guitar music was already swinging into existence with Placebo, Muse, Kaiser Chief, Kasabian, The Cribs, The Kooks, Franz Ferdinand, um, The Editors, they all British? Razorlight, who? All of those are British? Yeah, I think they're all British. Kaiser Chiefs, Kasabian, The There's Cribs. I'm not sure about the... <laughs> I literally saw... Yeah, I literally saw a twi- uh, tweet. Um, uh, someone put in a group chat saying like, uh, "What free, what free British bands would you take?" And some, some people in the group chat were going like, "I didn't even realize they were British." <laughs> this is hilarious. But yeah, I didn't even clock that. But yeah. Well, the wild thing is, around this time, like groups like the Killers and LCD Sound System were being called British, even though they weren't. And so they actually made songs and music saying, "You know, we're not British," because. That's what I mean, like the, the guitar music scene in Britain at that time was experiencing a renaissance. I mean, obviously Seattle exploded in the late 80s and early 90s, and that's when grunge just fucking went bananas. And that was America taking back the crown from, you know, the Smiths and from, uh, you know, that kind of era, Joy Division. But yeah, we got the, the second wave. And look, man, they, it was incredible. And America and Canada were searching for more softer approaches. You know, they were moving away from power chords and more towards indie folk and introducing like last instrumentation, like, you know, like Arcade Fire, for example, and The Killers. The Killers are quite a similar band to NERD in that The Killers were synth pop. They were synth rock. And you can't say that NERD isn't synth rock. And The Killers were epic too, man. They were stadium level anthems, completely different. And I think NERD were aligned much closer to the rap rock trend that grew from the punk of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Rage Against the Machine, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. And I've always felt they aligned far more heavily with Rage Against the Machine than anyone else because the vocals were different 
and we definitely had some club bangers. Um, you know, lap dance slaps, but the absurdity of rocking up to a strip club and being so desirable, just so, so sexy that the strippers will just fall around you and give you a lap dance for free. No. Well, he's an outlaw. It's Quick just, on the draw. It's just yeah. jarring. It's like turning up to a car dealership and then them giving you a car for free. Like, you're, you're so great. Just take this car from us. Look, we don't want payment. We're not going to accept payment for this car. <laughs> They're providing you a service for real. They're not going to give it to you for free. Uh, but, like, that wasn't the centerpiece yeah. of the record, but it certainly helped push the album. Um, neither that song nor Rockstar, which is arguably one of the best rap rock mashups in hip-hop history, charted on the Hot 100, yep. man. The album only went number 56. And I think Provider is the centerpiece, and it kind of debuted this deeper conceptual vibe NEID had that the Neptunes... They just couldn't do as a group, you know? They just couldn't do it. Even on the Clones Project, they had too many collaborators. It's not possible. They had it as individual producers. You know, the whole idea of Pharrell's vision as a producer was to walk in the shoes of his collaborators and create a story for them. But giving flight to that within NERD was always going to be tricky. Chad and Pharrell came up in a marching band and they were very artsy. And Pharrell had been at pains to tell us like he's never identified as a thug or a gangster. He never sold drugs. And their politics weren't immediately apparent either. So the line they had to toe was razor thin because how do you present a message while still ensuring that your door is open to literally any pop or rock or hip hop star who wants to walk through it and collaborate with the Neptunes? And so at the genesis of the Neptune's desire was ubiquity. You know, they wanted to cross genres and solidify the belief that no sound or no artist or no topic was off-limited to them. So we get tentative steps, and I think Provider is that. You know, it's the story of a hustler who risks his life and his freedom to provide for his family. Um, On Bobby James as well, you know, Pharrell introduced a misfit 17-year-old turned drug addict who uses self-medication to escape isolation and loneliness. These slip snippets are kind of slip between songs overtly about sex, which is something evidently paramount in Pharrell's lyrical palette around this time. You know, he's just rapping and singing about sex a lot. And, uh, you know, this album was definitely an anomaly. anomaly. It just came out of fucking nowhere, and no one really knew what was going on when this album dropped. Um, it's a fucking banger, man. Then we get Fly or Die. Yeah, uh, and it just... I, I've, <laughs> I, I I don't well I do know why I don't like this. Oh, um, okay. it's so it's not it's not even like I don't like it. It's just really bloated. <laughs> I just I, I I just feel like the the especially these double tracks. I I feel like if you're gonna double track, I mean they've done it, but they do it three times on this album, and they chart and and they and they clock up uh, seven six fifty four and eight fifteen minutes, um, eight minutes fifteen seconds. Six minutes fifty four seconds and seven minutes nine seconds respectively. It's just like ah, it just uh, I was I was I don't know. I just like got halfway through and I was like, damn, why is this so long? Um, because it, it, I mean, it starts off pretty smooth, right? Consi- it's, it feels consistent, and then after breakout, you know, wonderful place waiting for you, drill sergeant preservation thrasher maybe, uh, and then chariot finder find my way. It's just it just came off as it just suddenly I felt like I hit a brick wall in terms of pace and after after breakout and it kind of just other uh, just fatigued me while listening to it. Um, not to say they're not uh, the tracks ain't bad or anything. I didn't mind the you know Lenny Kravitz involvement um, and stuff like that, but I felt like the sequencing was just uh, really weird to me where. It just started off very smooth, 
um, you know, we start a fire and, you know, she wants to move as a banger, you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, she gets track seven and it's like, okay, we're working through it here. And it's just like seven minutes, 6.54, eight minutes to finish. It's just, okay. Uh, yeah, so it, it felt laborious, I guess, to listen to um, in terms of pacing. The music ain't as bad. Um, uh, I feel like it is a bit of a step down from uh, from In Search Of, just for me personally. I feel like, um, you know, In Search Of just had uh, energy when... Uh, energy when it needed it and also energy even though the tracks themselves such as bobby james like you said was um you know kind of somber but it still had a good energy to it i felt like they, these were just kind of um uh loud for just the sake of being loud mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know it, it just it just felt a bit laborious to me to listen to to start off smooth and then it was just it kind of just i, I just <laughs> stopping stopping songs you know, when the song stops and then there's like thirty seconds of just nothing. You know, I just like what? Come on, like what are we doing here? You know what I mean? So, so that shit just kind of uh, I can, that kind of it's kind of a pet peeve for me when I listen to stuff. Uh, when someone has like ooh secret track, it's like it's not it's on the fucking I can see it, bro. It says it right there, <laughs> preservation. Like I can see it. Like it's not it's not secret anymore. Like, if it was a vinyl, yeah, sure, maybe. But even then, I'd read the back and I'm like, oh, what's this preservation that you're talking about? So, yeah, I, I don't know. Bro. It's, 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 it's a lost art in that for the just the sake of, you know, music evolution. But it just, it kind of just pisses me off at this point. I'm listening back to it. I'm just like, okay, let's just not do this anymore, please. Can we just skip to the... Just split up. Just split up. Just add, just add tracks. Just make them add tracks. It's fine. Don't have to be two tracks. There's no need for that. Like just, just have it. Gadonk. Next one. Boom. Like, don't give me thirty seconds of nothing. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like doing, it's like doing a jog, and then you stop, and then when you stop, you're fucked because you can't, you know, get the momentum back again. Mm. So that's that's kind of what it felt for me. It felt like going for a jog. And it was a smooth jog, and then it just became laborious, and then it stopped halfway through for a couple of songs. And I'm just like, what are we doing here? So. Anyway, that's that's for no fault of, you know, just uh, I guess me listening to it. Well, I, 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 why am I why am I why am I throwing bail for myself? I don't care. Yeah, fuck it. it. Why? Don't do that. Don't do that ever again. Stop it. Yeah, that's definitely a um, that's a rock thing, man. That's like a that was just in the night late nineties and early two thousands. A lot of rock bands were just putting secret tracks at the end after like minutes of silence, and it's interesting the first time. But then the tenth time, you just because it's on, like we had to listen on CD back then, so like we couldn't skip through. We right. didn't have a mouse to skip yeah. through. But like, look, man, this album is always going to have a special part in my heart because this was the album that I discovered. Need like when uh, she wants to move came out, it blew up in Australia. And Chad Hugo said this to MTV. He said, he said it's all over the place with a little bit more direction. Even in the songwriting, Pharrell wrote songs with more issues involved, more storytelling, songs that you can really listen to and take apart. We're the ones playing the instruments live this time. I just started playing guitar last year, so I'm learning as I go. Uh, Pharrell's playing drums. Last time we didn't have time to learn certain instruments, so we just got Spymob to help us out. And that MTV article said that Pharrell wrote the album from the perspective of a kid listening to both the devil and the angel sitting on his shoulders 
Now, Shay told MTV, it's about a kid going through different issues, typical teenage issues you deal with. Now, She Wants to Move was obviously the lead single, exploded worldwide. It was huge in Australia. The album went number six on the Billboard 200, but the worldwide success is what I want to think about and fixate on because it went top five in Scotland, Norway, UK, and Netherlands, top 10 in Belgium, Denmark, Sweden, and Italy, charted in 18 countries total. In 2004, Pharrell told the New York Times, once you label us as something, we want to get away from that. I think that's relevant for the next album because I think this is the last NERD album to sound like this in any way. And I think this is the last NERD album to sound like a previous NERD album. You know, it, it does sound a little bit like In Search Of. Not entirely, but, you know, then it start, it's about to get crazy. But, um, you know, Pharrell said in the 2004 documentary that came out with the album, he said, in Virginia, the marching band is very attractive. That's what you want to do. You want to see those guys high-stepping. And so I think this album is is pretty quintessential NERD. The visuals for She Wants to Move, one of the greatest music videos of the 2000s. Really incredible, vibrant, spacey. They had that edge with Chad Hugo just shredding on the guitar. CGI work, the talking heads. The whole thing just came together perfectly. And, um, you know, this was, this was kind of the peak of NERD when they performed at Tea in the Park in 2004. Now, Tea in the Park... Like, oh, does that, does that still exist? don't know about Tea in the Park. Like, in 1994, that's when it began. And you're not a UK rock act if you haven't played Tea in the Park. Like, the first weekend in 94, they had Rage Against oh, Machine, well, Bjork, and did. Primal Scream. Uh, then they had Blur, Pulp, Manic Street Preachers, The Verve, Ash, Radiohead, Alanis Morissette, oh. Foo Fighters, Placebo, Bare Naked Ladies, Beck, Mazzy Star, Cocktail Twins, Teenage Fan Club, Garbage, Spiritualized, Portishead, Blur, Stereo. Like, I could just keep, keep going. This a legendary yeah. legend, Mogwai Gomez, Merc- like it's legendary, man. And watching NERD on stage with thousands of people singing album cuts word for word back at them in the year two thousand and four, bro. This isn't Coachella or Glastonbury, you know. These are this is a discerning crowd. These aren't just people who just rocked up to hear Kanye West. You know, watching them sing songs back to Pharrell is incredible. They tapped into something no one else had tapped into before. And this album is very conceptual, you know. Like, you might be forgiven for thinking at surface level off the first track where Pharrell sings again, we get this sex talk. If you don't want to give it up, don't worry about it. Like, it's very low-tier lyricism. Um, But the transitions into the title track, which I always felt was about gun violence in America, about a teenager who feels forgotten, uh, lost, and who finds his father's gun and dreams of either committing mass murder or killing themselves. Um, in the third verse, it's revealed that the kid was actually asleep the whole time in school and dreaming. Then we get a beautiful song like Chariot of Fire, which Pharrell confronts mortality. Uh, Thrasher is a meditation on the aggression and aggravation earned and provoked by bullies. I thought that was really great. Um, the double of Drill Sergeant and Preservation speaks on George Bush's obsession with throwing America into war in the early 2000s. And look, man... <laughs> It should be catastrophically bad on an album with a song like She Wants to Move or Don't Worry About It, but it kind of feels like free association writing. Like the album is written from the perspective of a teenager. And I think this tracks for the discordant nature of all the different rabbit holes of thought and feeling Pharrell disappears down. Teenagers have short attention spans, man. One minute they're pissed about the war, the next minute they want to have sex. So it's just natural for this album to feel like it was written by a goldfish. And that's how it felt and you know i was 16 when this album came out so it appealed to me probably 15 man this was my this was soundtracking my year i i listened to this so so many times it's 
for me, it's a classic. Yeah, um, just for those that don't know, uh, Tea in the Park was apparently discontinued in 2016. Did not clock. Oh, that. for real? Uh, I didn't know they discontinued yeah. it. What a classic freaking! It's it's uh, it's been replaced by a transmit uh, TRN SMT. Um, so yeah, I've 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 heard that. I think it's actually happening like this weekend or, or something like close. It's like around this time. Around like I've I've seen uh, uh, clips of it. Um, so I think it's soon. But yeah, um, yeah, kind of uh, just replaced it um, for whatever reason. So uh, yeah, but shout out to Transmit. Um, but yeah, uh, what's the next one? Seeing sounds. Sound. Yeah, seeing sounds. Synthesia. Um, so yeah, uh, automatically, um, Big Dub just removing the um, the laborious element. Um, everything very smooth on the pacing front, I feel, which is good. Um, I do... Uh, stuff like it's kind of hit and miss for me. Uh, where I listen to something like Love Bomb, and while I vibe with it in some ways, I don't vibe with it in other ways. I feel like, like conceptually for what it is, I rate it, I respect it. I like the beginning of it. It starts off very nicely, and then it kind of just um, I don't know. And uh, I feel like uh, Pharrell's uh. Uh, performance on that was a bit uh, iffy. Um, you know, shout out to um, <laughs> God damn, shout out to track five, uh, which um, I am hesitant to say uh, since uh, 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 Lizzo recently got uh, clapped for saying yeah, I'm not going to say the, the song title. And had to <laughs> you go for <laughs> it, man. It's on you. Had to, had to, I didn't, but I didn't even know it was a. T- I didn't even know that was a ting until uh, a friend who has a, a cerebral palsy uh, sent me a video of her basically just um, ranting about it, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, I didn't even clock." Yeah, but, it's a real thing. Um, you, don't worry, I don't even. I, I, was like, I was like, "Don't worry, I don't listen to this. So it's fine." So <laughs> you're saying so it's all so good. I was. I wouldn't have even clocked it if you if you didn't tell me. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Shout to shout to that track. Um, so that obviously that one in particular didn't really age well from a, mm. just a wording standpoint, but you know, time for some action. I like that uh, as an intro. Very nice um, antimatter. I'm rate. I'm rating uh, the other happy. <laughs> yeah, what was that? What was with other, that? That was weird. Yeah, the other track named Happy <laughs> for on it. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and also uh, uh, shout to Laser Gun, which is uh, apparently a Japan and uh, UK bonus track. Side note: Have you noticed how like um Japan just get mad good bonus tracks? Sometimes? Yeah, they really do. Back in the day, they yeah, did. They get, Back in the like the yeah, they, the CD era, yeah. they they really did. Yeah, they get some they get some good. I mean, still now, if you do CDs, like, I feel like um there was a track. Um, Sims did a track, uh, a Japanese bonus track on a gray area. Uh, I forget the name of it, but I listened to it on YouTube. And I was like, oh, this is heat. Why did Japan just get this? Like, <laughs> I want to hear this. Um, but yeah, no, they get some they get some heaters uh, around, uh, here and there, um, and uh, there was also <laughs> I love this on the Wikipedia, iTunes and Zune Marketplace uh, bonus track. <laughs> Shout out to Zune Marketplace. Uh, every no one everyone everyone knows, knows what a Zune is. Yeah, everyone everyone knows. Uh, spelled N O S E. Um, all the girls stand in line for the bathroom, which just. I mean, the fact that it features Kanye, Lupe, and Pusha T, just, yeah, I feel like I can easily guess where that, what that's about. Um, but yeah, you know, it's fine. It's cool. I don't really mind it. I feel like there's not much... Uh, yeah, you. I don't mind yeah, you as well. Um, but yeah, kind of um, in the midst of um, kind of binge listening to all of these uh, all of these albums, 
um, in a space of a day, which is what I did. I feel like this um, was the least memorable. Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, just, just from, I guess, the, even though it was, uh, you know, as lo- nearly as long as Flower Diet or, oh, uh, well, not, no, that's 50 minutes to 61, so yeah, a bit different, but yeah, um, but then, you know, the next one's like 30 minutes or something like that, so yeah, it's a big difference there, but, you know, it just came, it just, uh, in the, in the midst of, in the haze of me listening to all of it, I feel like, uh, this is probably like the least memorable from a production standpoint, especially, um, yeah, just um, don't know. Just didn't feel like uh, um, you know, even when you said uh, when they when they put us in a when they put us in a when they put us in a box, we we immediately try and push out. You mm. know what I mean? Trying trying to think out of it, and I didn't really feel like that was really achieved here. But yeah, it's fine. Yeah, man. Well, in the interim between these albums, NERD broke up. Apparently, they were uh, they were supremely oh. unhappy with how Fly or Die was marketed. And Pharrell told BBC One in 2005, he said, "NERD is dead. I don't agree with the management at Virgin Records, so we're done." And in a cover story by the Washington Post from 2004, a huge sprawling piece, uh, there was this following section. I want to explain this this breakup. It said he's frustrated by radio's unwillingness to play NERD and he's not too pleased with Virgin either. He griped about his label a few weeks ago to Entertainment Weekly telling the magazine's reporter, I'd love for you to call up Virgin and say I'm from Entertainment Weekly and Pharrell was complaining that you guys are not putting proper money into promotion to let the staff do what they have to do to sell this record. He talks about it even though he told us the label, even though he told the label he wouldn't. Pharrell says, I promised Virgin I wouldn't go back into it, but there's a guy who's running the label who isn't great with management and personnel. So basically, um, yeah, man, apparently they broke up, but uh, the movement that they began with those first two albums was just too strong. You know, I, I keep going back to that Team the Park performance. You know, it was indicative of a really rabid fan base who were desperate to hear a more focused and concise Pharrell Williams and while we got his solo rap debut in 2006, which is a fucking fire album, by the way, it's a great project, uh, it was so far removed from NERD's work. You know, it was much more straight-laced, mainstream. Uh, at its core, it was a hip-hop album. And NERD had picked up fans that were, like, in the mid-2000s, you might think that new metal and, and rap, rock, and all this had started to die off. It really had not. Like, Limp Bizkit was still huge, and Linkin Park had just exploded, absolutely exploded. And so Pharrell told um, MTV, he said, we made the music anticipating the live show. That's the most important thing. And that tour would be the Glow in the Dark tour with Kanye West, Rihanna, Lupe Fiasco, Santa Gold, and Nas, one of the greatest and highest-grossing tours in hip-hop history. They even had Chris Brown as a dancer on that tour. Um, for, uh, just any, dancing? Or? I think he was just he was just dancing. Because when did 2006, yeah. I think he came out, 2007? Um, they played... Yeah, hear, kiss, kiss, kiss. Yeah, I mean, that song was a banger. <laughs> He had that song with Jules Santana as well. Was that on Kiss Kiss? I don't remember. I was too... It's too long ago now. Don't ask me. Taking too many drugs since then. Um, so NERD played a staggering 85 shows in 2008 alone. Now, the forward press from this album came from Pharrell saying that the band had become too predictable and too consistent. Like, again, like, come on, man. They keep saying this, but, like, they, they just never were... But the goal for this album was to create something chaotic as if that's not what they'd done already. Um, and that's what we got, man. Time for some action, I swear. 
Look, they lifted that baseline straight from Mary making at my place from Calvin Harris. I was listening to that album the other day, and I'm like, bro, this is they stole this baseline from. I swear they did. If you're out there and you want to listen, go listen to Time for Some Action, and then go listen to Mary making at my place from Calvin Harris and tell me that is not the same baseline. Then we get the really obnoxious everyone knows oh my god i remember this song they really tried to push it when it dropped it had that same frenetic energy of what lcd sound system had done on their 2007 lp sound of silver uh hot chip as well like this cacophony of sound is what it was except that it's trash it's genuinely trash if anyone's seen um the friends the show friends and uh ross reveals that he makes music right and it turns out that all he does is he has a Casio keyboard and a bunch of pads laid into it, and he just plays a bunch of random sounds like barn noises and truck noises and airplane noises. That's what everyone knows sounds like. It's just fucking random sounds thrown together. It is one of the worst singles I've ever heard. Oh, the girl standing in the line for the... Like, shut up. It's so grating. I can't stand that song. Then we get Windows, much more aligned with their previous record. Um, Look, man, this album is a mess. It's a straight-up mess. In trying to create chaos, they have literally created chaos. There's there's not a listenable stretch on this album for me. Every song seems to try and destroy the song before it with this cacophony of sound cascading through the center of each track as if Pharrell and Chad just got angry every time they hit upon a calm melody. And they're like, no, 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 we must destroy, you know? Chad Hugo had the goal. He had the goal to call this album a big album of LSD sonic drug. No one on LSD is going to be listening to this album. That shit is going to be fucking... That's going to be torture. You are going to be chewing thumbtacks and slicing your own ears off if you're on LSD listening to this, this man. Like, I think I think the concept just got too big for them on this record. You know, In addition to wanting to fuck shit up energetically... They were pushing this idea of synesthesia, which is the phenomenon where someone actually can see sounds. And Pharrell told MTV this, he said, it becomes a big, tall monster. It's almost like this big gorilla looking down at you. This is about the album. Um, If he smacks you, he kills you. His fingers are the size of your body. That's kind of what we're doing. We're facing this big monster of what we know is out there, of what we see, that big monster of energy and bro this album that i mean it succeeds in that because it just beats you in a submission with every snare hit and kick drum it's a rough fucking listen bro it is a rough listen oh gosh oh gosh yeah um yeah i agree it was just, um yeah just a, just a model um you know i guess um in some ways uh nothing was a reprieve in uh in the fact that it was only 36 minutes um so positive that that, that could be that could that's (laughs) always when you grasp it well it was only 30 minutes so that's a positive silver liners yeah silver silver liners bro silver lines i was literally listening to it i was just like thank fuck this is 37 36 minutes i was like this is is, uh, i can't can't be glad this has gone in a bit because yeah it's um I don't know. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. the 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 ratings go the the ratings plummet um on this one in particular um and uh yes it's not it's not really much surprise uh, drilled on this one hot and fun shout out to hot and fun fuck you know well imagine imagine if i mean this was imagine hot and fun just chrono in in the chronology of this of this group being the final track in this group's discography Mm. (laughs) 
just outstanding to think about. Like fuck me, like it's, it's it just bog it just boggles my mind. Just this is it. This is it. This is the this is the crescendo, hot and fun with Nanny Furtado. <laughs> in 2010. Nah, nah, come oh. on now, don't do this. I love Nelly for time. I'm like a bird, <laughs> I only fly away. Oh man. Ah, bro. Ah, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. It's like she. This is this is way after Timberland at the at the magic touch, right? <laughs> the way I are. You know, you know the vibes. <laughs> yeah, man. Whatever you want. It's, it's long gone from those. Long gone from Promiscuous Girl. Promiscuous bro, bro. Girl. So Remember Timbaland in the video clip for that song? You're teasing me. <laughs> oh, what? God, what you want? Oh, such a fucking banger. Nelly Fatale retrospective coming soon. Next week. Fuck me. Yeah, yeah next week, Nelly Fatale. Fuck, you know, imagine. Oh, God. Oh gosh, yeah, I've I've not. Uh, funny enough, I have nothing else to say about nothing. Look, man, I I I just think by this, I think by this album they were lost. They got lost. You know, when you have no clear mission statement other than to make something inconsistent every time, which is literally what it's just vibes, just vibes. But it was it literally just what vibes. Was the vibes. Like, <laughs> I mean, how long can you continue before it just gets so discombobulated and disconnected? If Pharrell told yeah. Billboard that nothing was a time capsule, he said, <laughs> he said this. So we thought, why not make a timeless Please album? Operate. That's that's kind of a time. It's kind of like what did um what did Will I Am say about like Obama or something? How he thought that that tr- oh, don't. oh god, what was his the song that um and he's like, I think we got Obama elected. Like that's exactly what that. I'm getting that energy from Pharrell with nothing. He's like, I thought we'd make a timeless album. But yeah, man, look. Um, hubris just fucking... Oh, radiates. God. Look, if if there is an NERD through line, I think it's conceptual storytelling. You know, Billboard described some of the work on this album. Um, he, they said this, <coughs> the songs, meanwhile, are topical, including The Man, which deals with homogenization of American culture and society, Help Me, which deals with the collective consciousness of our country, the environmentally themed Jack's Costs Do Inspired Life as a Fish, and the redemptive God Bless Us All, which Pharrell said is about a friend of ours in the business, a superstar who went through a crazy rough patch and we wanted to offer him words of encouragement. Um, so look, man, I think that that's, that's the through line of NERD, uh, the conceptual stuff. That's when they're at their <laughs> best. I'm never going to presume to tell NERD what their motivation should be, but um, I can easily pinpoint their appeal, and it was not chaos or unpredictability. That worked on their first album a little bit, but if they dropped nothing as their first album or Seeing Sounds, they wouldn't have been where they were. Like, what they did on their first album was unpredictable because they were doing fucking Super Thug and I Just Want to Love You, Give It to Me with Jay-Z. And then they did In Search Of. It was just completely different. And I think they got... They got mi- mixed up a little bit thinking... And it was a good time to do so as well. Exactly. Like 2001, like, the landscape was ripe for it. Like, it was just a good opportunity to do that. Exactly. And look, man, I think... I think that the consistency in sound, the raw energy, the way Pharrell's songwriting confidence matched the audacity instrumentals. You know, back in 2001, you had to walk into the room with your dick swinging between your legs if you wanted to make an album like In Search Of because the new metal fans had to love it, man. You had to grab that what was left of the, the Woodstock 99 crowd, but then blending that audience with the nerdy art school kids 
the isolated loners like me, the hip-hop kids who were looking for something a little bit more organic than Diddy dancing in the back of videos. That was the appeal of NEID, you know? And by nothing, they... they <laughs> By nothing, they'd gotten so muddled up that, that nothing literally had made sense anymore. And um, they needed that hiatus, man. They, they really needed that hiatus until uh, no one ever really dies. Ben used to be an incel confirmed. All right, um, no, that's not sorry. what a low... Come on. <laughs> Jeez. That's, that's a horrible thing to call someone. <laughs> it's a reach. It's a reach, Bit of reach, uh, fair enough. Um, but yeah, nice. Uh, I forgot how many just features there were on this album. I, f- I remember listening to this album, just kind of just uh, it, it wasn't for me, Ooh. uh, listening to it. Um, you know, I, I don't, I now listening back to it, I like stuff like uh, voila, um, you know, some of don't, don't do it. Um, you think I'm a magician? Funny, I didn't realize. Oh, no, I didn't realize uh, Frank Ocean had to write credit on that. Yeah, I saw that. No. Apparently, he didn't, was. Didn't, he had uh, on an original version. He was actually on it, but I think they took his vocals off it. But they, there's still writing on it. I think anyway. That's right. What I heard. Right. I mean, funny enough, it's actually just additional vocals that are from you know just random people like Cara Delevingne and Rocky and Mary J. Blige, apparently. Um, so there's that, but yeah, um, you know, past that, uh, you know, Kites is probably my favorite track out of the bunch with Kendrick and, uh, MIA. Um, I do think this, <laughs> for an album that has this many, this like many features, I feel like it should have done better. Um, you know, I feel like there were people that, I feel like this was, if this is kind of like, um, an if you know, you know album, I guess, cause you know they were, they they were uh, teasing it most of the time um i remember they had like posters and stuff like that it was very uh not obvious but like uh you know discreet uh, kind of thing going on and it was a very discreet rollout um and but then you know obviously lemon just blew it yeah. blew it out of the water yeah. and it was just like ah rihanna's rapping yeah. ah rihanna's back rihanna's going to drop an album ah she's coming she's coming she's coming uh, that's where you know her fans were saying anyway um but <clears throat> i think it was stuff like um deep down body yeah. thirst deep, deep um, down that was old school deep down body thir- that's old school deep down body thirst yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just just uh yeah i just i don't know i don't know about i don't know about that track in particular um some of don't don't do it like i said it was uh it's, i guess it. just the um i guess it's, it's just like the execution of just how and i think like in terms of uh, rhythm, like deep down, I don't know, it just comes off weird to me. Um, Secret Life of Tigers, it just it just sounds like a, a I don't know, just was it was like one of the is like a track that would come on seeing sounds. I'm just like, okay, cool. Let's uh, see, see what I was thinking about when you were talking about the tracks off seeing sounds and what they meant. I was just like, cool, <laughs> but can I listen to it? Yeah. <laughs> It's like someone <laughs> describing a Dostoevsky <laughs> book and being like, "Yeah, cool, that sounds great, but can I actually read it? Like, is it going like, to enjoy like, it? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like, know. Fucking I know hell, bro. You, yeah. you know, it could be, it could be, <laughs> it could be, it could be as stacked with meaning as you want, but is it listenable, yeah. bro? Like, I don't need everything to be a replayable bop. You know what I mean? I don't need that, but fuck, you gotta actually it just, listen it, to it. Just, <laughs> Like uh, fucking hell, bro! Like you know stuff like that, and uh, and lightning, fire, magic, prayer. What? What? 
are we doing here? What was I was just I was just stuff. Stuff blended. It's just here's here's a here's a it's literally like five vignettes. Yeah. It's just musical vignettes. It's just a seven minute vignette highlight reels. It's like here's here's a thing we worked on and didn't finish. Here's a thing we worked on and didn't finish. That's what it felt like anyway. I'm sure that's not the case, but yeah, I don't know, bro. Um, I felt yeah, I feel like this album. W- on the face of it, I thought mo- I thought more people would be hot on its heels and just really gassing it, and it was kind of and I think it was kind of where I'm at. You know, it's it was, it's fine. There's some good. There's some highlights. There's some lowlights. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as it, I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> I just. Really- I just realized. I just realized something. I, I I made the I made the point about hot and fun being the last track in NERD's discography and how sad that sounds mm. uh, to have that as being your last track. Mm. But then they come through. They lifted. They you topped it. Fucking Ed Sheeran. They fucking topped it. <laughs> they fucking topped it. A. Eh? They fucking topped it. Oh, bro, what a skip that track is. Fuck me. Yeah, it's uh, instant this skip. Is, it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's... I don't know, bro. Like, I feel... Uh, yeah, I mean, give you four out. I want to I, I, I have final thoughts, but yeah, give you four out. No, it's their best album, man. It's their best album. What? <laughs> I just waited to Charlie. I missed it. I thought he was going to take a sip of his you drink. No, man. I fucking love this album so, so so much because uh, let me let me just let me talk about it look let me talk charlie's gone off camera let me talk about it it's like the group finally grabbed everything that they're world leading at like they they had the conceptual narratives uh it's artsy left field instrumentals with that that marching band aesthetic underneath it which gives it that like that drive that groove surprising and discordant sounds ridiculous hit making ability and an insane rolodex of superstars and i think they synthesized it into the perfect nerd album it's not as quintessential as fly or die which i think um you know is probably the nerd album if you want to define them as a band but it builds on that energy and it takes a little bit of the consistency of that record and and gives it this through line and i you know look let me give the background like recording didn't begin until january 2016 and pharrell said a couple of times in the the early 2010s that it was coming but it was just kind of came out of the blue and mike larson summed it up quite well he was the engineer on the project he said the theme of any idea has been to create what's missing in the music scene i actually feel it's not that at all no offense to mike larson but i think it's quite arrogant to assume that you know it's a huge mainstream act you're wholly unaware of all the artists in the underground creating projects like this. I think a better way to frame it is to say no one will be able to do this at the level that NERD can because you've got Rihanna, Gucci Mane, Wale, Future, Kendrick, Andre 2000, MIA, Ed Sheeran, ugh, but Frank Ocean. You know, no one can do that. And Mike, Mike Larson spoke of the sonic themes on this album and I found this fascinating. He said, one of the elements was our early 80s punk music and more mid 80s new wave. A lot of people that heard that music were like, this totally reminds me of Devo or Gang of Four or Suicide. There's a lot of vocal delays and big reverbs and homage- homages to what they might have done back in the J in that respect. Then obviously the hip hop style production with the big bass, the big 808s, heavy Neptune's drums that they've always been known for their beats. We also had to consider that as well. It was a marriage of those styles. And I think to me, that's the triumph for the album because uh, Deep Down Body Thrust like, 
could easily have been on their second album. Voila could have been a Smiths instrumental from the mid-80s. Uh, 1000 could have popped up on a Jeezy album in the mid-2000s. Don't Do It has that chic guitar energy uh, that, of course, Daft Punk brought back for their 2014 album Random Access Memories, which does not get the credit it deserves. Uh, and it's a sound that's dominated mainstream music ever since. Most recently, of course, Lizzo's album, which dropped two weeks ago, uh, borrowing heavily from that era of Nile Rodgers. Then you've got the way the ESP bleeds into the breakdown of Lightning Fire Magic Prayer, which kind of calls back to the way that ambient experimentalists were destroying and elongating loops back in the late 80s. You know, music was doing it in the early 90s as well, Brian Eno. Um, the classic chopped and screwed era, the early 90s. And this, of course, bled into Vaporwave in the late 2000s when it was a bit of a meme, when it became more serious in the 2010s. And, you know, often songs would just self-destruct in the middle, just as they did on Seeing Sounds. But what forms actually make sense, rather than a bunch of dead instruments lying around, Rolling Them Sevens is exactly that. And Mike Larson told Fade of this, and he said this, I think it's quite well said. You come into a room and on the table, you see a bunch of Legos and they're assembled in the shape of a house. You hear the song and in the middle of the song, the Legos come apart and then now they resemble a rocket ship. Same pieces, same everything, but they're just made into a different shape. And look, this is hardly a new technique. I wouldn't be surprised if Shea Harley came in and, you know, with the extensive Beatles knowledge, just played them a day in the life or I'm the walrus was up on their vision board and they're like, let's do something like that. You know, I think this album is fucking brilliant, man. I think it is incredible. I bought it on CD when it came out, and it just, I actually put my partner onto it as well. And um, a few weeks ago, I was in her car and we were driving. We don't actually drive around that much with each other. We ride because we've got motorbikes. But yeah, I got in her car and she was playing this album. And I said, wow, what did this, this really hit for you? And she's just like, man, this is a fucking banger. This is incredible. And bro, that's how I feel. This is the perfect. NERD album everything that they tried to do their whole career everything that they did and every sound that they said define themselves the chaos the destruction the concept conceptual stuff it, it just all came together perfectly on this album and um man I love this album so much I fucking love it you can come back on camera now Charlie you can come back out oh, of can your, I? you can come back out of your right. self-imposed <laughs> isolation <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you. This, this is the thing, isn't it? I, I feel like, for me, NERD just had a recipe, and they just decided not to keep using it. Mm. Um, and that's what disappointed me from listening this past weekend. Uh, where I was listening to a search of, and I was just like, "Fuck!" They, they just had it. They just had the fucking recipe right here. Um, and then I'm just spinning, seeing sounds, and I'm just like, oh, what? Oh, what? Oh, for fuck's sake! Like, it's just, it's just that's that's all I got at the end at the end of the day. And um, you know, I feel uh, I always respect the fact that uh, when artists just you know try and do something different, um, I feel like I'm talking about Kendrick again. <laughs> it's, like, it's just, it's just, I feel I'm getting deja vu, just saying the exact same thing. It's just like I respect people trying, artists trying things different, but when you have a recipe, you have a recipe. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you know it's worth. You know, we we literally were talking about Joey Ballas before and how he went safe. Funny enough, right? <laughs> but but now but now I'm coming back around saying NERD was too experimental. I'm not even saying that. 
Um, it's just I just didn't feel like there was any cohesiveness for most of the time, and I'm just trying to listen to it, and it's just coming off as just mishmash. Um, I mean, you, I mean, I hate the fact you reference friends on this podcast. I feel like that's just um, I don't know. I feel I feel I feel uh, that was racially motivated whenever uh, whenever some ty- uh, a white guy always uh, references friends to me. Why I feel like I'm being. Uh, uh, because Friends is the whitest shit of all time, and it's just I just can't. Friends, I, I, just, I mean, it's twenty twenty two, guys. Grace, let it go. It's Seinfeld. These hey, Will and not... Grace was bank. Will and Grace bank. Yeah, Will bang, Grace bank. But it was bro, white. Bro, bro, bro. I watched a two hour retrospective on Frasier, okay, the other day. All right, it's it's fine. I can I can watch white shit, but just not that white shit. Friends. Right? <laughs> okay, I didn't know this. Frasier and Friends. Different, different gravy. Oh, I right? apologise profusely. I, I was unaware of this phenomenon. My, that's my bad entirely. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. But anyway, um, we need a friends, yeah, a friends deep friends. dive on the fuck. racial ramifications of <laughs> of friends, the whiteness. I, I, I mean, I talked about what what's good one time. So you know, okay, we'll link. But um, yeah, link it's, it. um, but yeah, it's is. Yeah, I, I mean, you said it, bro. It's like you know, it's just coming off as his his his. I got on the keyboard, and it's like beep boop beep beep boop beep. Like, I don't know, man. I, I get it. I I respect it in some ways, and sometimes it worked, but a lot of times it didn't. And that's just what you get, bro. That's what that's what that's what experimentation comes with. It's not gonna hit every time. Um, and I feel like I regress to the mean. Um, as to how people see NERD. Um, as you know, uh, influential in the two thousands for obvious reasons. Um, an absolute classic of an album in search of, uh, which for some reason references a Leonard Noy- or Leonard Nimoy um, uh, docu series. Well, that's the whole. That's the whole. Remember the uh, Star. What does that have to do with Leonard Nimoy? <laughs> no, that's that. That was the Star Trek thing because when they first started Star Trek. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, when yeah, they right, first right, started, right, that that that, that was the vibe. They were heavily inspired by Star Trek, and they wanted to be. I think Chad. I think we talked about it a little bit last week. Chad said that they wanted to be like intergalactic, and they all had different names, and Jupiter, and the Moon, and Star Trek, Star Trek. So yeah, that's that's where that came from. Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess the uh, in a, in the in the long term dedication to the to the bit, I respect it. Uh, but yeah, man, it is what it is. So you know, sometimes when you explore, uh, sometimes it hit, sometimes it didn't, and uh, I feel like it was probably about it was probably about fifty fifty to me, uh, or about half of it hit and half of it didn't. So it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, look, I would have um, had a different perspective probably if I hadn't have gone through and and like learned about what their vision was because you know i would have been similar to you like i still think no one ever really dies is is a straight up banger but i never would have had the appreciation for it if i didn't know what the fuck happened with those other two albums in the middle there because yeah if you know you know yeah what what happened and and this the whole idea of destruction and causing chaos and destroying that makes perfect sense when you think about uh, them just not wanting to stick to a formula. And, you know, it, it brings up an interesting question about experimental artists. You know, we talk about, like, Earl and Tyler, for example, uh, and give them a lot of praise and say they were very brave to do what they did. But it's 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 such a... The bravery also comes from the fact that if you fuck it up, you're going to get dragged. You're going to get criticized heavily. And NEID fucked it up, man. They did fuck it up in the middle there and they got dragged. They're, those two albums were reviewed terribly. And so that's why it is a big thing to take a risk. It is a big thing to change up a, a, a recipe that's working so much. And, you know, I will always have 
um, I guess a lot of respect for artists who experiment even if it doesn't work out uh, but there still will be that like desire like oh man I kind of wish you just made what you did before because it was a fucking slap but yeah man any idea I wonder if they will ever make music again uh, as a group I'm sure they will it just seems like a little side project kind of thing that they're doing at the moment that they tap into every now and then Pharrell is one of the most like we say that Timberland is probably the most diverse producer but it's got to be Pharrell man like he is ascended to the peak of like four musical genres now it's unbelievable what he's done R&B rock pop hip hop yeah yeah I mean yeah I guess so yeah I agree with that maybe apart from like Quincy Jones but obviously that's you know yeah, I mean, that's, that's a whole other level. Prince, you know, this is different. That's got it's different levels. That's got One thing that I saw the other day, and I'm interested to see what you think, and we, this is the transition or I don't know, that just sparked on that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was nice Joey. Nice. Joey said that Lauren Hill is the greatest artist of all time. And I said, but what about Prince? Oh, God, I, pi- oh, I better pissed I said, what about oh. Prince? And people actually criticized oh. me, and they were like, no, Lauren's better than Prince. And I'm like, what are you... I love. Look, this is not a Lauren slander session, but let's let's just relax and calm down a second. <laughs> let's walk it back. No, uh, Lauren, Lauren Hill is not the iced of you know ever no. greatest iced ever. Right? That's 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 a hot take. That's a very that's a scorching hot take. Um, and I I just I can just imagine the comments of just people just um, just uh, there's a lot of Lauren Lauren detractors. And I feel like half of you are just butthurt because you bought a ticket to see her and you had to wait two hours. Yeah. I feel like you lot just butthurt about that. And you're just like, no, Lauren, shit. Miseducation's overrated. Yeah. Like, I, calm down. But um, yeah, she's not the, you know, crazy size ever or whatever it was. Um, but, you know, I stand by Miseducation being a top five album ever just in general regardless of genre i still stand i'll stand by that till the day i die um and and it pertains to prince it's so weird because i just have no energy to get into prince yeah i i like purple rain but past that i just i just have no energy to just actually get into prince and i think it's part of it is because um part of it is just because the catalog's so dauntingly large um and you know his estate just constantly well not constantly but um you know they're they're constant stop using the same word please they are uh intermittently you know drip feeding uh you know back catalog and stuff like and stuff like that and you know shit from the vault i feel like prince has probably just one of the biggest vaults ever and they can just keep dropping for like another hundred years um but yeah i feel i feel just really daunted attempting uh if, if even attempting to get into prince um and also i'm just never i don't mind 80s music and i feel like prince and this is kind of i guess where you know my daunt uh my daunted uh demeanor comes through comes through towards this i feel like you know prince really uh embodies what the what 80s music was you know um uh, with all the with how experimental he was and how much of a genius he was in several instruments and stuff like that. Like, is like hearing people. This is the thing. I remember listening to an episode of uh, Shouting the Music Snobs, one of the fucking best podcasts ever. But it's so inconsistent, and I don't think he actually exists anymore. I don't know if the guys even think about even doing it anymore. But they just have great from the episodes that for the episodes they do. 
they just re- they're, they're so knowledgeable um, as a foursome in whatever subject they're in. Uh, and they did an episode on Prince, and they just kept going and going. I felt like they could have gone for three hours, right? And with the way they were talking about it, and the way I've heard other people talk about it, the way people talk about Prince is in such with is with such expertise. It really freaks me out. Like there's no there's no uh, there's no uh, 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 lukewarm Prince fan. You're you're a, if you're a Prince fan, you're a Prince fan. You know what I mean? Like you're in that shit. And I just feel like <laughs> if you, if you, if that's the barometer, I feel just like it's it's really hard mountain to climb. Um, but yeah, I, just, I find I find that so weird. Um, you just mentioned Prince, and that's kind of that's always the thought I come across with, but. I don't know. It's it's a me problem. I know that, but um, yeah, I just, I just feel so daunted even thinking about Prince and just like how large he was as a musical figure. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I struggle to. I, my knowledge of my Prince knowledge is low. I mean, I've listened to the albums, not all of them, but um, you just have to yeah. listen to a man. It's it's not. It's like it's just going back to the Lauren Hill Prince thing. I mean, come on now. Come on now. Yeah, that's not that's not a conversation. That's not a conversation. Oh, who was it? Um, I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet. Um, yesterday, I think, where uh, someone had like this artist, and um, there were two comments that were just weird to me. One was weirder than the other, and I want, I'd like to know which one you found weirder. Um, so there was this artist, right? And it's just on you know IG, whatever, right? Um, just gen- generic IG post. And uh, there's two comments goes like this. One says, um, he's like, this guy is like the mix of J. Cole and Juice World. And the second comment was like, male Dej Loaf. Male Dej Loaf. Male Dej Loaf. (laughs) Define male Dej Loaf, please. (laughs) Help me. Yeah, that's good. I found found that weirder. I found that weirder. I was like, what the fuck is a... What? How do you be the male... No disrespect to Dej Loaf, but... I'm trying what? to think of what the male Dej Loaf would even sound like. I love McConan, yeah. maybe like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, something like that, I guess. Like, yeah, but it just came off really weird. I just never it just caught me off guard. Like, and some and so, and someone uh you know said to me that they found the J Cole Juice World one even weirder. I was just like, yeah, but I can at least imagine that. I don't know what a male Dej Loaf is. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what that would sound like. <laughs> Yeah, this is a really, this is a really weird thing to say. Um, we need more music from Dave. Yeah, Love, anyway. Man. Yeah, shout out to Dave. Love. She has. What was stuff. your uh, change? Changes, changes a banger. What was your reaction? What was the thing that you wanted to talk about? The reaction to the oh yes, the Kid Cudi yes, thing. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So for those that don't know, obviously Kid Cudi um, uh, uh, filled in for Kanye at Rolling Loud and. Uh, uh, got but basically just left the stage. I don't know how far in he into the I show he was. I feel like that's like ten minutes, fifteen. Yeah, I minutes. feel. I, I, I really, <laughs> it was I'm a short off. set. I feel like I feel like yeah, because I feel like that's an important thing to say. Right? You know, I mean, how how long was it? Was it like immediately as soon as he got out, or you know, was it fifty minutes in? I feel like you know, there's a difference there. Um, but anyway, regardless of that, um, you know, peeps, this dude throw some in, and it was actually a video where you could actually, if you knew the dude, you could probably ID him. Um, this is an actual video of the dude throwing the second one, um, point blank, and Cuddy leaving. Um, so yeah, whoever that dude is, <laughs> watch your back, brother. Um, but uh, Ben did a video on uh, on uh, on his YouTube, people numbers go spin, 
and uh, he basically did, just did a uh, a a uh, a profanity-free yeah. uh, rant about it. That was hard. Uh, so... I actually cut swear words out of that because I just i i did the i did the lame at <laughs> the corniest lyrics one, and I just said fuck about forty times. It's like man. <laughs> I could. I was. I was. I was like. He's definitely. He's definitely cutting some shit. Yeah, YouTube are not going to put me in any algorithms. I swear way too much. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, that was that was, that was funny. But um, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like the one point um that um Ben didn't make, and I feel like needs to be made. Um, and I feel like we kind of broached this topic when it came to the Travis Scott Astro World and uh things like and 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 that particular incident. Uh, you know, artist and festival, they have patrons in some way, right? Um, I feel like if you're, there's, there's certain people that go to a Glastonbury festival. There's certain people that go to a Montreux jazz festival. Mm. There's some people that go to a download festival, mm. tea in the park, Coachella, rolling loud. There's, 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 cream fields like mm. there's the when you when you name a festival you have a image of like a typical festival goer of of that festival right so when it comes to stuff like coachella i'm just like i don't i wouldn't want to go there um one because camping fuck that two the the crowd just looks so so dead like just, they look so lifeless uh, the, the the lack of energy at Coachella crowd is so dead to me. It's cra- excuse me, it's crazy. I'm like, are you? What are you guys there for? I know what they're there for. Most of them are fucking influencers, right? But um, I I, I just it just blew blew my mind that Beyonce did Homecoming there. Yeah. It's like, why didn't you do that somewhere else where people would actually give a shit? Anyway, um, but you know, I went to cross the tracks and I felt like there was a you know really interesting mixture there. Um, you know, very diverse. Um, it's obviously a jazz soul funk festival, so you, you can get the vibes from that. Good, a- good age range, right? Rolling Loud. Th- there's a th- you know you mentioned the you mentioned their Twitter, right? And, and you know how they were kind of just like shitting on people for you know, I don't know uh, 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 the fact that Kanye didn't go, and they were like, oh, I spent twenty k, and it's like, well, su- sucks to be you, yeah, dickhead, yeah. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. And that's kind of a microcosm of it. Um, I feel like people. The people that go to Rolling Loud are people like this, yeah. um, and and it and on another note, it's so funny that Kanye turned up, but another per who was it who who did he turn little, up for Little, little Dirk, Dirk or something yeah. like, yeah, he turned up for Little Dirk's set, which is just hilarious to me. Like it's just <laughs> it's like uh, doesn't Rolling Loud feel like some type of way now because Kanye turned up to Rolling Loud. But didn't do the headlining thing that he was built to do. I, I, I don't, I don't get Rolling Loud's vibe here. Um, but the note I wanted to, the point I wanted to make was kind of just you get, you get what you get when it comes to um, uh, patrons of a certain festival, and sometimes it just doesn't fit. Kid Cudi does not fit in a Rolling Loud crowd. It, it just, it just doesn't mix. Um, you know, maybe for something like. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not too privy on the vibes of um uh uh uh, uh a US surf festivals. But you know, Afropunk, for example, I could see Kid Cudi doing that. For example, I've been Afropunk. I went to the London version a few years ago, and I feel like he would have done well at that. You know, they had. I went to see the internet. 
uh, Sims was there. Uh, who else was there? Like uh, uh, JME. Uh, yeah, JME was there. You know, you, I can see Kid Cudi going to something like an Afropunk, but uh, for him headlining Rolling Loud, it just it was just set up for failure in some ways. Um, not on Kid Cudi's front. Well, obviously for him, it'll set up to hit for him to fail. But just Rolling Loud as um as a as a concept, I guess, is just really. I'm I'm not sure what they're what they're going for here because they're just uh, uh and I and I know they have like a Portugal edition stuff like that so it's not just US um but yeah man I don't I don't know man like there's just some festivals that you just that just give off an essence where you're just like I'm good on that you know for me it's something like Creamfields like you know that's a premier EDM festival but uh from how my boys have talking talked about it years ago. It just sounds like people just doing Molly, and uh, and and other forms of drugs, and I'm just like I'm cool, <laughs> I'm cool on that. V Festival, uh, for those that don't know, is a festival near me, and it's just built for 16 year olds, bro. It's just built for 16 year olds. Same for Wireless, to be honest. Um, even that crowd at Wireless seemed a bit dead to me from the past couple of weeks, apart from a certain few m- amount of ice. But yeah. You know, Kid Cudi, I don't think Kid Cudi, honestly, just probably shouldn't have even gone to it. Um, I feel like uh, it's just it was just it just wasn't for him. Um, obviously, not to the point of people throwing shit at him. Um, I wouldn't. None of us would have guessed that. But you know, it just it, it was kind of just set up to fail from the start for pretty much everybody involved. I mean, what's been happening lately, especially with what happened with Rico Nasty on the Playboy Cardi tour. I mean, everyone. It, rolling Loud is is the only person, the only group, the only thing that should be culpable here. I mean, they should have known exactly what was going to happen. They should have spent five minutes on the internet just Googling that Kanye fans hate Kid Cudi right now for some ridiculous, stupid reason. Um, there you go. Like, it was always going to happen this way. Everything you said is 100% true. Cudi is not the headliner at Roll... Maybe, again, this is just... Uh, the short-sightedness of what Rolling Loud did just boggles my mind. They, You've got to know that Kanye West might not turn up. You need to have some sort of plan in place, and that plan should not be Kid Cudi. I love Kid Cudi to death. I love him so much. He's changed my life. He's saved my life. But, bro, it's not the same vibe. Like, it's just the... It's almost like Rolling Loud were trolling the whole thing like they were like lol we're not going to give you kanye even though you've paid thousands of dollars to come see him we're going to make fun of you for paying all that money to come see someone we promised we'd bring and we're going to switch him with the person that you currently hate the most right now like what the fuck would they think it's absolutely bonkers i mean i think cardi was playing that weekend anyway or that day just bump him up to headliner and bring in three or four artists underneath him. Like that's, that's not that. It's not that fucking hard, man. It's it's a really simple equation. But uh, you know, again, like you book Kanye West, you you take your life into your own hands. So you just accept that there's a possibility that he might not turn up. Um, yeah, man. I, I, it was just disappointing. And yeah, festivals aren't aren't my vibe. It's very interesting the way that rap a lot of hip hop crowds uh, at these kind of festivals are these days. Like what happened in the Astro World tragedy was really sad um i'm definitely seeing a lot of and i watched um sean c talk about it and someone else talk about it too yeah and they were talking about the uh parallels between this and what was happening in the late 90s which culminated in 99 at woodstock where you know if anyone knows about that it was a horrific horrific event um and it was it was an inflection point things changed after that 
and I do wonder if things will begin to change. I think it's going to have to be on the performers, unfortunately, because you're not going to get anything from the touring companies. They're not going to do shit. If they're making money out of it, they just don't seem to care. So unfortunately, the, the responsibility, I think, is going to have to fall on the artists to ask for better crowd behavior. And yeah, man, I've never been at a show where the crowd and the energy has been that off. I've never been. So I can't really speak with authority on it. But yeah, man, it just made me sad. The whole thing made me sad. Yeah, you know, you just you just have to. I mean, uh, Sean's video is good and enlightening because um, he kind of had the same uh, reasoning for why he doesn't go to festivals because he just doesn't fuck with how people act. Like some people just don't know how to act at festivals, and you're gonna get that pretty much at every festival. There's always just gonna be people around you that are just like they just don't get the program, um, especially the people that guys. If you want to be near the stage the main stage of a headliner of a certain festival fucking stay there you gotta get there early bro and firm it you gotta tough it out just fucking firm it just fucking firm it okay i firmed it i i firmed it for an hour in the rain to see crank bin at a decent view okay and then throughout the fucking show we have people yeah oh trying to find my friend trying to find my friends like you know excuse me trying to find my friends like bro stop it (laughs) <laughs> your, fr- your, fr- your friend's right fucking there right? <laughs> moving with you blocking my view when there's no space here stop it stop it so yeah the, you know, there's always there's always idiot uh, I mean out of, out of everything uh, that can happen at a festival people are probably just the biggest outlier or the biggest uh, risk towards you towards your enjo- personal enjoyment um, but you know, sometimes the risk you take. And by the way, I'm not paying thousands to see to to see anybody. I'm sorry, like it's not happening. So you know, the, you get you get what you're given, you guys. Honestly, if you're paying twenty k to like see Kanye, I don't if know. You pay twenty k. That's wild. Don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. Uh, the amount of shit I could do with twenty k. Wow, Bro, okay. I could eat for anyway three years on that. Four years. <laughs> Give me that twenty. Get that rich boy. Get that. Get that. Get that. Get that rich bar. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, from the fifth end podcast. Now it's been digging digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've tried to the fifth element. I've been Manka of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of video games by bonus points. Has a chill of music for the ability to use. Socials with Fifth Element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and chill of music will be in the full show notes as well as the nasal projects reviewed wherever you listen. This has been a Fifth Element podcast or production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll just see you next time on Digging in the Digits.